Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Have you ever had a bad eating experience around people? You know what I mean? Like you, you thought we were all going to hang out and no one talked. And you're like, wow, I've ended the meal. I still have a meal because I carried this whole conversation. Like nobody contributed at all. And so that breath was very silent. Come on, it was awkward. So, how was your week? Good. Done. (laughs) What'd you do? Worked. Like only five seconds or was there more to that work? Who are you eating with? What's happening at your table? Are we pounding the table? Are we mad at the table? Do we start together but end by ourselves? Like who, who's at your table? Are we laughing at the table? Are we, are we, everybody talking with their mouth full at the table? Like what, who is at your relational table? Because that's my assignment today. Who's at your table? Who's eating with you? Who's saying what God is serving is good? Let's get some more. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, I already alluded to this, but it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. In other words, God so understands that his proximity into your life is the thing that orders your life, that you will be added to your life once you seek him. So in other words, if you want to make the most of your life, it is bringing him close to your life. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Matthew chapter 12, this was in our soap guide. Our soap guide is a Bible reading plan that we're doing together. You can actually get on our app, and if you want to follow along, you can read along with us. But this is a verse that came out this week, uh, that we read this week. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37, it says this. Neither either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its, come on, say it. You brood of vipers, okay? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Some of y'all didn't even know Jesus talked that way. Some of you, your image of Jesus is meek, weak, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can I pause? If you are continually saying you didn't mean that after you said that, here's the revelation. You meant it. What you didn't want is what came after what you said. And what you mean to say is, Not that I did not mean that, is that I did not contemplate what would happen after I said that, and so now I don't like what we're in now, and so you say I didn't mean that, but what you really mean is that I didn't expect this. Come on. See, we come come to grow in church. Look at this, 35. The good person out of his good treasure... 
bring forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth what? I tell you, on this day of judge, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account to every careless word they speak. That means we all come to the altar and repent right now. Like, don't nudge nobody in this church. For by the words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In other words, you cannot really hide what's in your heart. You cannot hide what's in your heart. So then now you have to walk through and go, okay, this was pretty deep. This is actually saying that people who talk good can have evil motives. And now they're more about manipulating the situation than they are true transparency. And so if we surround ourselves with a bunch of people that sound good but don't have pure motives, then we find out a a long time later that we were friends because they're a salesman and five years later they want to sell us this thing and... We didn't know that if we were going to go, uh, if, they, if they said, hey, you're moving, let me help you. Okay. Out of the goodness of your heart, you're trying to sow these wonderful fruits of, of love, and you want to come help me. But you didn't know. You signed a contract, and in six months, if you don't come when they call. See, the, my motive wasn't to help you. My motive was for us to enter a contractual partnership. And even though you don't know it, I ain't keeping record of everything that I'm doing for you. And I will remind you. We do it in marriage. Well, I know I'm bad, but you. I know I'm toxic, but you. I know that I have an anger. I know that I have passion. I know I have, but you. Come on. My intention today is not to put everybody in the room on the defensive. I realize I've already done that. Ban, let's play. (laughs) But it's to really, for us to define God's version of success for our lives. When God, God will add to our life when we seek God's principles and God's presence produces the good in our life. Jesus told us that there is no good without God. And to be a force of good in the world requires knowing and living for him. God isn't into subjective definitions of what good is. We don't get to define that. In fact, there was a con... A conversation between a rich man and Jesus and he said good teacher and Jesus challenged him why do you call me good the only thing that is good is God in other words don't come to me with no flattery okay as we begin to look at this the culture of the kingdom is good and there's a real difference between what the world calls good and what God ordains as good 
when we read Genesis chapter 10 and 11, and we did that this week, it reveals that the ambitions of those who were building the Tower of Babel. This is a real encounter of what man thinks is good and God rejects. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. And they said, come, let us build a city for ourselves, a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, less, you know, like, like the whole world, come on, listen, can hear about us. Why is ingenuity bad? It's, it's not about ingenuity. It's not about building something. It's about there's one name that will cover the earth. And it's not a man's name and it's not a brand. Come on, it's God. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? It's easy to, it's, it's great to be a go-getter. As long as pride and ambition isn't rooted in self-satisfaction. Remember, it's God. God is the one who satisfies. And so if you're trying to build something to satisfy your own hunger, lust, come on, pride, then God is like, actually, you know, even though you're really intelligent, and I created that, even though you're really gifted, and I created that, even though what you're going to provide will help a lot of people, and I love that, I never gave you all that for you. Come on. Matthew chapter 5, 6 says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, come on, say it, one, two, three. Security comes from the Lord, not from what we're building. The name that we take across the world is God. And I think it's important to consider who influences our relationships and what they're speaking into our lives. We all know that we are the sum total of our five closest friends. What do we all think about God, marriage, the world, finances? All of that is a worldview. It's how we see the world. But more importantly, who we identify with and who we connect with plants a perspective, listen, in our own lives. And this topic has been widely studied and analyzed in business, but in the church, there's a real tension because we don't know where we land. So let's talk. Do we love and eat with sinners? Or do we protect our faith by keeping good company? And there is a tension. After all, we, we just learned that good fruit comes from good trees. And it's imperative that we understand Motives can be misleading. So how do we reconcile the church should not judge? Because let's just be honest. If you've ever felt judged, shamed, condemned, raise your hand. Well, that's no fun. That's not fun. So it's in the church we don't know how to reconcile how not to judge people, but because we haven't gone, gone real deep in what God talks about, it's like we don't judge people, which is to condemn them, but we are never told to avoid making good judgments. Like, 
You're going to have to make decisions in your life of where you're going to go, what you're going to do, how fast you're going to drive, who you're going to keep company with. And, and so there is no place where you don't have the ability to make good judgments. That's why we get the Bible in us so that it will wash our mind so that our judgments will be in line with what he wants us to do. We are not judgmental over people, but you have to make a decision. Decisions have to be made. Come on, parents. You know that the young person that your teenager is hanging out with is not good for them. And you're riding the tension of trying to be their friend, but they're making judgments. Are you okay with where that leads? And if not, you need to sit down and have a real conversation. I'm not even saying that you're the one that gets to make the last decision depending on their age. But I am saying that the younger they are, the more you get to lead. Come on. Husbands and wives. I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen wrecked because conflict led to space, space led to walls, walls opened up doors to new friendships, new friendships opened up opportunities for wrong motives. And we went from being in the church to being in the club because something hurt us and now we're hanging out with friends and we can't talk about it because if we do, we're judging people. No, I'm making judgments and decisions and I am concerned that where that is leading is not to unity. Come on, is this real or not? So, let me give you a couple questions. Is there a need for us to make any modifications to our tables? How can we protect ourselves from being influenced negatively? Let's just talk about it. And I think there are four type of individuals that should be welcomed at your table, and that is what I wanna talk about, okay? Four types of individuals that you should welcome to your table. The first is the broken. My son, when he was young, decided to do a, a backflip while he was dancing. The only problem with is that he had never done a backflip before. I'm sure he was thinking, that's uh, not hard. You just go backwards and land on your feet. Uh, so in a camp in front of 300 young people, he uh, attempts a backflip on a sta near a stage. And he didn't make it. I mean, he went up and, and straight down. I mean, there, there, was, there was no lift to that backflip. Back it, was, it was just falling. And um, for those who were around him, they heard a snap. His arm was broken. And the moment, come on, changed. Everything changed. Uh, everything stopped. And we started giving care immediately. Because his arm went from being straight to, uh, you know, a boomerang. Okay. It, it was Jesus who said, I came for those that need a doctor. 
Okay, let me show you the verse. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but to the sinners. Believers don't project superiority over the broken. They care. We care. We invite people to the table. We say, come, sit, stay. You're, you're welcome here. It's imperative that we all understand that relationships are built over time. You're not, you're not reading a blog about friendship and going to find a friend tomorrow. You're going to read a blog about a friendship and then you're going to make yourself available and then you're going to have to be, be in proximity and be around them. And after a long period of time, you're going to find depth, but you're not going to find depth. This ain't like little kids that don't know how to swim that jump in the 12 foot and hope somebody else will save them. You've got to build this thing. Come on. You will never find a friend that is flawless. You will never find a friend that doesn't have something they're working on. If you are looking for friends that are faultless, then you don't have an understanding, not just of life, but you don't have an understanding of the gospel. If you choose to do long-term dining with people, you will see their brokenness. The church is a community full, listen, of broken people who need a friend and perfect people who are seeking health and wholeness in Christ. And the question is, can we offer them a place at the table? Can we do that? This means that some conversations will be confusing. Some attitudes will need adjustment. Some responses from us will have to be forgiveness. See, the house is going to thrive because we have people who aren't scared of broken people. You can't have ministry without the messy. Come on. As much as I've wanted to, you know, have my wife birth all four children and then, and then come out responsible, financially able you know what I'm saying like it just didn't happen that way they came out and they didn't know a doggone thing and we had, we had to teach them like everything and so it's it's like in the church we judge Christians did you see the way they looked at me See the way they said that? They didn't say hi to me. They didn't whatever. Everything that you're saying is assessment of what's going on in your heart. Where do you believe you're not enough that you demand everybody else to be more? That can't overcompensate the stuff going on in your life. Come on, hear me. God heals people as they eat. 
What tables are you inviting people to? Can we do this over a long period of time? I promise you. That's why we say, don't give us a service. Give us a year. Give us a couple years and watch what happens. Here's the deal. You'll, you'll start to be a little bit more aware. You'll, you'll start to begin invite God into spiritual things. You'll begin to unlock rooms that you've locked away from him and everybody else. There will start to be wholeness in your life. And you will start to come into a greater depth of relationship because you will let him come into all the places. Here's the second. Are we good? The second people that I think that you should allow at your table are the bruised. Have you ever taken a hit or landed wrong and a bruise formed and then all of a sudden that area is so sensitive, so sensitive, and it requires tenderness? I I remember uh, I had a nose surgery, my, I had a deviated septum, and I had just come back from the surgery, and my wife, uh, uh, Nanny, uh, my, one of my friends, they're placing me in the bed. I've just, I, I got, um, you know, I've got uh, these gauzes in my nose, it's nasty. And my wife, is trying to fluff my pillow. And she, boom! And I'm like. Jesus! I want to go to heaven! And she's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, it's cool. I just had surgery on my nose. I'm like, come on, listen. There are people in this church that have sensitive areas and it requires tenderness. And if we don't have any tenderness, tenderness is not apathy. Tenderness is not avoidance. Tenderness is not weakness. We just know that we're working around a sensitive area. Come on. There... There is a real need for us to walk into the fruit of the Spirit and say, listen, everything in love. Not say everything because it's right. When we put right before love, we are efficient but not effective. Come on. I'm not saying that as a church we avoid right, but I'm saying that sometimes there are sensitive areas. And we say this all the time. It takes love, truth, and the anointing, and we feel like that's the recipe for transformation. There are some people in the room who flinch when there's a biblical concept that touches a painful experience. When we talk about sex, when we talk about marriage, when we talk about unforgiveness, when we talk about family relationships, when we talk about, I don't, I mean, there are people When we talk about gender, when we talk about homosexuality, when we talk about finances, when we talk about budgeting, when we talk about. And if we don't understand that, then the fruits of the Spirit are not as evident as we need to be. Now, we're not going to come under that, but we are aware of that. Come on, does that make sense? Okay, bruises happen. P, 
People are bruised. Will we allow bruised people to come at our table? Don't take their flinching and soreness as a rejection of not wanting to sit at your table. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Some of us, even we're doing this with our kids, we we don't know that there are bruises, and so we're reacting to their statements But what we did is touch a bruise, but it triggered a rejection in our own life. And so now we're saying something when we should be going, ooh, that was a bruise. Come on, is this real? It's important to know Christians should mature. And if you're here, we are asking you to mature into thick skin, but have soft hearts. You know what I'm saying? We all have to learn to laugh at ourselves. You stop. You can't laugh at yourself. You tripped. You you walked out of the bathroom and have toilet paper on your shirt. Oh, I'm so devastated. I gotta switch churches. Or you could just check yourself in the mirror before you leave the bathroom. I'm so devastated. My phone went off in church. I never can show myself in a place of worship again. Or just turn off your phone. It's like we're so highly sensitive over everything that, you know, do you laugh at yourself or are you defensive all the time? (laughs) I'm crazy. I'm 48 years old, still don't know where my keys are. (laughs) Kind of a game. Kind of exciting. We all play now. It's like there's, there's no ability to like, come on, I'm going to laugh at some things. There's, there's, we, we let things get too real. Real friendships means you're going to work through misunderstandings. If you don't want to work through any misunderstanding with any friend, you don't have friends. You just don't have friends. You can call them whatever you want. I mean, obviously, we're in a nation that calls anything whatever they want to call everything. But you don't have a friend because you don't want to do any work. You demand them to be perfect and know everything that you're thinking, and you don't want to really work through misunderstandings. Come on. We go silent or we go to control. You either disengage or you want to fix everything. Just because people brush up against bruises doesn't mean that they were the ones that hurt us. Come on. God's plan is to heal you, and sometimes the healing is a process, and we move from broken to bruised. Church, will you allow bruised people to sit at the table, and will you be sensitive enough, sensitive enough to let them get healing? Come on. Don't, take, don't, don't get into the vehicle after life groups and start judging. Well, can, can you believe they said that? <laughs> Do you know that one lady talks the whole time? Does she not know that everybody's like, dear God, stop. Like, I I mean, come on. This is too real, isn't it? But do you see someone who is bruised? And silence is hard. In their whole life, they've want to be seen. And so now do we put pivot and go, hey, let's go to coffee. Hey, what's going on? Seems like you've got a lot in you. And I'm not being like, 
sarcastic. What's going on? How can I pray for you? Bruised people. Come on. See, we all need grace. Don't sit people who are bruised at your table and then get frustrated at their sensitivities and then remove the chair. We all need grace. We all need an invitation to sit at a table that we did not deserve and eat something that we could not eat for ourselves. What I'm telling you, if I've been in the ministry for over 30 years and I've seen bruises healed, I've seen the addicted healed and start leading a freedom class, I've seen the adulterer healed and start leading marriages, conferences and meetings, I've seen the abused healed and be the one who wants to offer freedom to other people. Come on, y'all, give the Lord some hands. We got to be a place where, where it's okay to have a few bruises. Here's the third one. We good? Here's a third type that I feel like should be welcomed at your table is the brave. Come on, you need some brave people. Brave people. My life has been greatly impacted by those who have big faith. I remember telling a friend that... Before, I mean, long before we, we were moving to Rogers and playing in the church, I sat down with him and I told him what was in my heart, told him what I felt like God uh, told me, and I, and I felt sort of crazy. You know what I'm saying? Felt a little crazy, like, yeah, I'm going to sell everything. I have no money. We're going to put all the money into the church. We're going to move our family. We have no idea. We don't even know anybody. We're going to take a couple college students. It's going to be great. And he didn't blink. He was like, that's nothing for God. And I left that, and I was like, you're right. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, like there's something. When you sit and have brave people sit with you, their response is, that's nothing for God. You've got to love people who will pray with you right in the moment of your pain and fear. You've got to have some moments that when they, you want to start grumbling and being negative, they grab your hand and say, we're going to stop that. Let's go. Let's go get it. Let, let's go get it. There's a calling on your life. There's something great inside of you. God is for you. Who can be against you? Yes, you're going to experience pain in this world. Yes, there's going to be, but you better get up. Like, like there, there, you've got to have some people at your table that don't let you just be a Christian Eeyore. You know, nobody loves me, everybody. I mean, like, you got to, you need some brave people in your life. People who will take a step even when there is uncertainty. Brave believers. Believers who are not scared to risk. They're not scared of movement. They're not scared of courageous conversations. Proverbs 20, 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues. In other words, they stay scared. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Everyone needs some people at their tables who live with the real perspective that the might of God is bigger than anything else. People who don't sit on the sidelines contemplating all that could go wrong. Those who will not flee when it's uncomfortable. People who will encourage you, take that step. Take it right now. Let's go. My prayer is that we have some, some, some brave leaders who are not intimidated by what they see or the enemy's lies. Come on. 
Brave people. Come on, where are my brave people at? Make some noise. Come on, some brave people. Brave people. Believers who are confident. I'm not asking you, like, your bravery isn't, isn't in your ability or your intelligence, but it's confidence in the Lord. Each of us should have a desire to be one of those people for somebody else. More courageous steps will be taken if we sit among the brave. One of the ways that we can be brave, like application, is for you to join a life group. To step into a season of relationships that will feel uncomfortable but, but begin to change your table. And I'm just going to be honest. For the last seven years, Katie and I have been in a part of a pastor's network where we don't tell you guys to be in a life group. Like, we're in a group as well. And so for seven years, we, jo- we, we started the church right at the middle of our first year. And every year for five years, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. It was a two-hour Zoom. There was a lot of different pastors on the deal, and it was a lot of listening. And if you're a leader, let's just be honest. There's two things that you want to do. You want to talk or you want to learn, but you don't want to listen. And I found myself in a life group listening. And the first year, I was like, this is dumb. This is a waste of time. Second year, I was like, huh. I kind of care about them. Third year, it was like, this thing was growing me. It was called empathy. I was like, I care. And I was like, no, you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. And then as it grew, okay, I'm going to be honest. It took me six years to like the group I was in. Six years, every time it was over, I'm never going back. Six years, I was like, Katie, when we're done, we're done. Let's go get in another group. Let's, let's lead our own. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the whole thing. And as I was in it, it began to shift. And I am telling you, you're not going to enter one life group. It's the best in the world. You may survive it. But after a while, little by little, you'll move into depth. And all of a sudden, something you didn't know you needed will click on in your life, and you will appreciate you have it. Come on, does that make sense? Come on, give the Lord a hand. Come on. Come on. Now Katie and I are leading our own groups. We're mentoring 20 different pastors. And we, we, part of our mission support goes to this group because they help churches in Europe. They help churches in, um, what, in Canada. I mean, like, 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 it grows in you. But we have a culture that wants everything instantaneous. And I can, can I just, I gotta lean into this real quick. Come on, don't, don't, be, don't be too distracted. Stay with me. I wanna talk to you about a, a real thought issue that I'm seeing in our culture. Is we've lost the propensity to do long-term because we demand short-term gratification. You cannot, listen, most of the time when it happens fast, it's fake. That's called fast food. But if you want real, it's going to take longer. You hear what I'm saying? And so here's what happens is 
Because we manage our relationships like we do, we've lost even how to have a relationship with God. See, when you have a real relationship with people and they overcommit, underdeliver, or they don't meet every one of your needs, or they don't do everything that you thought they should do at the timetable, it's actually a way of you understanding God. Because he, listen, not that he ever underdelivers, but sometimes we've been serving God long enough that we thought he was going to do one thing and he did another. So if you can't have any relationships that you allow that, then your relationship with God, you won't allow it either. You thought serving God meant he'll do everything I want him to do. And actually, serving God meant I'm gonna journey with you for a really long time and I'm gonna take you somewhere. Come on, does that make sense? Here's my point. Sometimes the brave things, the brave thing is not leaving, but it's trusting God's work over time. Be brave. Here's my last thought is this. Last relationship that you should have at your table are the battle-tested. The battle-tested. The body of Christ goes further when there are some battle-tested saints sitting at your table. Come on, not people who think it'll work, but people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And what I thought would kill me didn't kill me. Come on. Believers who have some battle scars, who still serve the Lord, not status saints that are cute and make little cute posts. Oh, won't he do it? Like, I want to know if you believe he did it after he didn't do it, and then he did it, and you were like, dang, I didn't know he did it. Not just t-shirt wearing saints, but saints with real stories of God's faithfulness. Come on, you're going to have to bring to your table some people who have a little depth. Come on, that will say, hey, listen, I know that what you're going through is a lot, but it ain't going to kill you, baby. Come on, we're still going. We're still getting up. I know that was a hard season. You got to have some people at your table that know what you're dealing with isn't the end. You got to have some wisdom at your table. And wisdom is not a sign of age. Wisdom comes from the Lord. It is a spiritual fruit and it is a sign that when God speaks, we value it and we value it enough to implement it and we imp implemented it in our life and now we can give it. Remember the verse we just read. People can appear good and hide their intentions. That's evil. Don't sit evil at your table. Sit good. You can be changing and broken. You can be changing and bruised. You can be brave. And you can be, come on, battle tested. All of those people are in different seasons, but there is this good forming in them. Don't sit evil at your table. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Go ahead and come on up. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Our faith is not for weak people. Many have tried to stop the advancement of the kingdom, and we see it now even in our society. The kingdom cannot, listen, be stopped the kingdom is coming. The dominion of Satan cannot stop what God is going to do. There is no passive Christianity. You've got to be all in. Accepting the kingdom means that you understand that it is deliberate, 
purposeful, and it requires action. Many times in Scripture, we see the illustration, come on, look at me, of run, fight, guard, wrestle, stand. All I'm saying is we need some true storytelling, battle-tested, prayed-up, full-of-power saints to help the bruised and the broken. That's why we're calling you to maturity. So here's my takeaway. Make sure the people that you're bringing to your table want to involve God in their lives, not disregard Him. Come on, let's not build communities who want to make themselves great and try to produce good in and of themselves. But we, come on, listen, are seeking the Lord and we bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who sits on the throne, come on, listen, of our own lives. So let's talk a little bit. If you are broken, guess what? There's room in this church for you. There's room in this church for you. And it's okay. Just keep coming up to the table and eating. And I believe that all of those things that broke you in your past, I believe that God will heal them. Because he says he will. If you're bruised and you're a little sensitive, I'm asking you, come on, to pay attention to those areas and not always push everybody away who gets close to those areas. Come on. To not interpret everything wrong because you've been hurt. And then brave. Come on. If you're brave, do it with love. Challenge people in love. And then if you're battle-tested, you better be telling your stories. Don't sit there and give some, 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 some story of that you heard from somebody else. Tell them your story. What God has done. What God has done. What God has done. And here's the deal. If we become a church that has all four of those relationships, you won't be able to contain the people that are coming in because no one's being judged and everybody's being lifted. Come on, you hear me? Father, right now, come on, let's pray. Father, right now, I pray for the broken. I pray for the broken that, that really can't even contextualize all the areas that have been broken or hurting. And God, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would begin to move, God, in their lives. And they would begin to trust that you bring the order to their life. Father, we pray for the bruised, the sensitive, the touchy things. If, if it's marriage, if it's finances, if it's career, if it's intelligence. God, that you begin to lovingly place your hands on those areas and you heal them. God, I thank you for the brave, that they would not be intimidated, intimidated by culture. They would not be intimidated by the bruised and the broken, but out of love, come on, out of love, that we would begin to say, you can come up higher. And God, I thank you for our battle-tested saints. Saints that never walked away. Saints that never gave up. Saints that never left God because a hard moment happened. If you're here today and 
like you're ready to come to the table, then the, the truth is you have to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You have to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that you have sinned and that God is the Redeemer. Then you can come up to the table. And you can start the transformation in your life. And I'm, I'm already going to tell you it will not be fast, but it will be sure. And so if you want to give your life to the Lord today, I'm going to right where you're at. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Come on, that's me. Come on, who else? Thank you. Who else? Today is my day. Come on. Thank you. Who else? Today is my day. I'm coming to the table. I got, I need the Lord. I need an order in my life. If you lifted your hands, I want, I want you to repeat this after me. Just say this. Jesus. Come on, let's all say this. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Start the work in my life. Heal my eyes so I can see it different. Heal my ears so I can hear it different. Heal my heart so that your fruit can come from my life. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.